G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Tobia, and this week I'm joined by a new host. John, John, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, I'm the co-editor of Double Jump, so I've been around for a while. Uh, just trying out this podcast thing, so that's how it goes. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's awesome to have you on board, man. We do a little icebreaker activity here where whenever we get a new host, uh, we want to ask him a question, and that question is for you. John, what's your favorite game and why? Um, I saw this question already. <laughs> like, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I still don't have a great answer for it. Like, um, yeah, I, I, like my go-to is kind of like the Spyro games, like the old ones. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of, like, my favorite games that to be the ones I have the most nostalgia for. I mean, I guess that's always true, but... Um, yeah, so were the were the Spyro games, uh, games that you grew up playing? Is that why you remember you remember yeah. them fondly? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I like so the games I kind of return to a lot is like Spyro two and three. I like the Simpsons Hint Run a lot. <laughs> I, yep, I was able to replay classic. that last year because it was like a PC <laughs> mod that like you know modernizes it. Like that was yep. very exciting for me. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, what else? That's awesome. Did you yeah, did you enjoy the uh, Spyro? Was it the the Reignited trilogy from a couple of um, years ago? I didn't get it actually. Like I wasn't actually really? super into the visual updates. Like, it looks nice enough, but I really like the old low poly models of the old game. Like there's this yeah. one where um, there's like a kind of a Nordic themed level with the Wallaby character in three. If you have you yeah. played it at all, or seen it? No, no. That's okay. that's why I, I'm I'm keen to play it. Oh, okay. Like, I think it's... People seem to like it, so I think it's... It's sure it's good. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> it's, uh... Yeah, so there's this, like, Nordic-themed one, and, like, there's, like, little goat people you help in the level. And yeah. the original one, they're, like, these, like, kind of rotund, like, round kind of guys, <laughs> and they're very yeah. adorable. And then in the new one, they're, like, really skinny, and, like, they kind of have this kind of DreamWorks quality. And that's kind okay. of what, what I always think of when I think of those games. I was like, man, like, I don't... It's not as cute as the old ones. I, I want this. Old, I want the old one. It's like um, you, okay, so you like um, it, it. It seems like it was a lot more toy-like and like kind of that that low poly style. Whereas now it's like with all the new technology, it looks too like real. Like it, it doesn't yeah, feel maybe. the same, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. That's probably about it. I think a lot of it's just like you know rose tinted nostalgia, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like I don't know what everything else looks like in the, that those you know remasters. But it's like that's yeah. all. Yeah, it's just the one I always think of. It's like oh, I'd rather just all play the old ones. I think, <laughs> I think um, me personally, when I think of that era of gaming, like th- old three D games, I'm sure you agree. Like they don't really hold up <laughs> compared yeah, to two D games. Mostly. But I think with games like Spyro, where it was so zany, and things like even Crash Bandicoot, like the original ones, uh, even Super Mario uh, sixty four to some extent. Like you can kind of, um, you kind of forgive a lot. That they, they don't actually look so bad, uh, even nowadays. Yeah. Well, it's like I, I have like a. It seems to be just kind of increasing like a fondness for like low poly um, <laughs> visuals. Like I really like it. Like I kind of like it more and more the more I see it. Like cause there's all these indie projects with like yeah. sort of like really chunky low res 
low poly looks to look like you know ps1 games where it's like yeah. really super jagged and like there's something really appealing to me about that now oh, that's awesome i think you i think uh when you did the recap about the wholesome games event i think button city was one of those games it's like all these like kind of cutesy animals mm. in, in, in that chunky polygon look uh that that definitely kind of brings that to mind yeah definitely well, it's like even that's like really so clean. I love it when yeah. it's all like messy. <laughs> I guess it's almost like the like uh, what's the word like uh, like technological form of watercolor where it's all blurry and <laughs> not like yeah, you can't yeah. kind it's of more abstract. It's yeah, um, that's so but cool. yeah, no, that, that one looks really nice still. <laughs> oh, but I, I know that you're also a a Marvel fan. Um, I think you've you've finished. Uh, the the disney plus loki series right yeah yeah i finished yeah. it yeah um, whenever it came we're out <laughs> we're on the second to last episode so uh okay. we're not quite there yet um but mm. just kind of uh, just in general like were you happy with the show overall um sort of i've kind of had a similar reaction to all of them all the mcu you know latest ones yeah. recent like um like the captain america one and the um one division one where they kind of start off well, the Captain America one was kind of a flat line a little bit. Throughout, didn't really yeah, change all yeah. that much. But um, 100%. the One Division one had the similar issue to I had with this one. And I, I kind of it starts early with Loki to me where it has this very um I don't know, it's like every other Marvel movie where it's kind of this increasing spectacle that sort of like flattens all the kind of distinctive qualities of it. So like yeah. especially Loki in the show, like you would have seen it already if you've if, have yeah. you seen episode five, or are you just up to the? I haven't. I've, uh, we just finished episode five, but we didn't finish episode six, which I think is okay. the last one. Is it six? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like five's a good example of it, though. I think it happens earlier too, where it's like Loki is kind of meant to be kind of like a jerk, and they keep saying it. Like Owen Wilson kind of keeps saying it. It's like you're such an asshole, whatever. Um, yeah. But it's like you kind of he loses that personality a lot, like really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and like, yeah. Um, like it kind of just ends up getting kind, kind of, of like bigger quickly. and more fantastical, and also just kind of less distinctive as it goes on. Yeah. And like, one division kind of has that where it just ends with a you know more fighting, or like you know flying yeah. through the air and stuff. It's like, oh, this isn't yeah. what it was good at. Um, that's the thing. It's it's um, I think that's just kind of the the curse of the Marvel formula is that. It's always been like, okay, the story's just there to justify these big scenes. Um, but the thing is, like, if you actually delve into the lore, like, there is a, there are, like, kind of those small moments and, like, say, even in, in Endgame, oh, sorry, Infinity War, where, you, you know, you see Vision and Wanda just kind of in the room together. You, you do get those small moments, but they're just kind of lost in in the noise, if that makes sense, mm. of, of, like, all these big, big spectacle. And I think I really like the way that Loki started, like that first episode. Like you could really see, like you know, like Tom Hiddleston did a really good job, kind of like, uh, kind of humanizing Loki in that first episode. But you're right; it just once you start getting into the bigger, deep, like like the deeper plot elements and like the bigger, you know, the big bad that gets introduced and all that stuff, it it loses that, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I will say though that like you haven't seen it. Because um, I was kind of like, you know, kind of off the tracks a little bit with Loki. Because yeah. like pretty early on, I think it was like by the time of that bottle episode on the train and stuff. Mm. Um, I was kind of like a little, I was just kind of losing interest a little bit. Just because it was like, yeah. I was expecting more like 
fast-paced time travel stuff which i like yeah and then it's yeah. sort of you know it's fine that it, it's not that but i just kind of was losing interest a bit but then by the um sixth episode is basically dedicated to you know things outside the show i i don't want to say good. too much it's like it's you know okay larger implications i'll say that much that's good um, no, i appreciate that 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 <laughs> that that sounds good i, I like that um, like kind of falcon and winter soldier didn't really have that yeah it was cool was, um but yeah yeah because like, that show was a bit disappointing i think overall like it wasn't terrible or anything it was just like yeah. it was kind of a little there and I, I think there was like rumors they might have changed it they tinkered a lot with it because it, it was originally about a pandemic or like about like a virus or something like the story oh apparently that kind of might have messed with it <laughs> oh man that's a terrible idea whoa well, yeah. yeah i can imagine that being rewritten very quickly once mm. everything kicked off yeah i'm not sure if that was true but that, it would kind of explain why some of it yeah. doesn't quite land as well as yeah. maybe could have well did you have you had the chance to see black widow yet um yeah i saw that pretty quickly actually yeah yeah what, what did you think i, I actually enjoyed it um, yeah but, I, yeah i liked it more than i thought i would actually because I, I was kind of yeah. i think it was after like it's probably after the captain america show where it's like it was kind of you know i was kind of hoping for yeah. something more grounded but i wasn't expecting much for black widow because it didn't have you know didn't slot into the larger mcu plans like everything else kind of does so i just yeah. wasn't like thinking much about it um but it was like yeah there's a lot of good character stuff which is like kind of pulls it forward um yelena exactly. is very very good <laughs> i really yeah. love her already um she even like i'm very happy like hopefully she sticks around for a while because she's like yeah she really is like a better version of black widow to me yeah she's um, she even dresses um, better <laughs> that's pretty great <laughs> and and i think i think that's the way it was kind of set up like uh her being the new black widow so to speak I in mm. marvel um i mean it it's not a spoiler to say that you know the existing black widow doesn't make it at the end of endgame like i think everyone who is into pop culture kind of knows that but i i, I think i agree in that um it really like I, I i felt relieved that it wasn't like an end of the world or end of the universe kind of plot it was more kind of centralized to you know the plight of these of these like girls and now women and and you know potentially like thousands millions more around the world but um it, it was good to see kind of like that you know it was kind of like growth like forgiveness and uh like reconciliation in a way like it, it, it's kind of it's kind of that um that arc that you really want to see like there's a bit of more nuance to it and and i also like you know that the bad person in this like taskmaster like learning about their story and um yeah i think that was also like a good kind of point in that it wasn't uh how should i say it wasn't like um oh this person has no motivations they're just you know they're just a killing machine or whatever like here you actually felt like there was a person there that you should really care about their story so i think that's that that was another a cool thing as well yeah. about it um yeah did a lot of good work with did a lot of good character work in general which i think is yeah. kind of like a pretty frequent flaw like they usually do good enough but like if there's like a weakness a marvel thing has it's usually to do with that I, I yeah. think I'm, I'm maybe I'm yeah. a bit wrong, but like, um, no, I agree. Yeah, I, agree. I, I thought it. Yeah, it was yeah better than expected, which is I was happy with. Ah, exactly, and the the other thing is also, 
I like looking at reviews and I kind of agree with a few reviewers in that the thing that really uh, would have made this movie more enjoyable is if it did come out when it was when it set like in between you know s uh, like Winter Soldier and Civil War and like Avengers like do you think it it s do you think it suffers from the fact that it's like uh, out of time if that makes sense out of sequence um, maybe a little bit I think I don't know I feel like I might have had higher expectations for the Captain America series which might have not been or like Falcon and what was it called Falcon Winter Soldier Falcon and Winter or Soldier Captain Marker, yep. or Captain Marvel I don't remember what it's called it's been calling Captain America show <laughs> 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 uh, yeah but I feel like that might have actually kind of set expectations a little higher well I mm. mean maybe I don't know I, I think they're relatively distinct like they're kind of I don't know they don't really involve each other too much yeah and um, I think this movie does I, a good I know. job yeah. Of, of skirting around it. Yeah. The, the um, timing. Mm. You know you know what's interesting? I don't know if you remember. Do you remember there was a show on Aussie TV called The Secret Life of Us on Channel 10? It was kind of like... It was like in the early 2000s. It was set, a, set around like, you know, 20-somethings in Australia and kind of like their lives and everything like that. Um, um. What I found out is that the director of that show is the director of this film. Oh, okay. Yeah, because so I found out she was Australian yeah. like a few days ago. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's nice. How crazy is that? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, didn't, I don't think I remember that show at all, actually. Yeah, yeah. Usually no, I never stuff. watched it, but it was just interesting to see. I'm like, like and then, and she's done like a few indie projects and, and, and films and stuff. And then just like, you know, going, getting plucked out of that to direct this. That's that's so cool. Like, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's trippy. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that was uh, a bit of an intro into uh, this episode. Thank you to everyone who's listening. I know that it's been quite a while since we last did one, and apologies for that. But the plan is to get this uh, show back on the road and, and keep it going weekly. And um, I'm glad that join. Uh, I'm glad that John's here to join me for our next segment. Let's talk about a couple of pieces that went on uh, on Double Jump uh, this past week. Uh, first of all, was John, your Rewind feature on American uh, Fugitive. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's like, because this is from like, um, I had some notes on the game from like a month ago. So I kind of just kind of finished that off. So it's been a second since I played it, actually. So they're kind of a, I was expecting just Chinatown Wars again, you know, like old GTA games. Um, then mm, Like kind of that top-down isometric yeah. uh, view, yep. Mm. And it, like those games are kind of, I never played any of the proper classic ones. I only played Chinatown Wars. But it's like mostly about driving and the actions. You know, there's not much to it. Like uh, otherwise, like the as a game, it's pretty simple. Um, mm. But this one, it's like it just has all these like immersive sim style like mechanics added on top of it, which I think I go into it in maybe too much detail <laughs> in the article. But um, yeah, it's just all these things like you know being able to like change clothes and it loses police awareness and like breaking into a house and you actually have to like manage it from this like overhead view to, um, to actually you know, make sure you don't get caught or if you know you're going to get caught if you go into a certain room or you know what have you and then yeah. um, it seemed like it was more involved than what the 3d gta games were yeah like that's it's kind of what i would hope for gta to get better at which is kind of like having more like um that's kind of why it reminded me of like a Oh, sorry? 
criminal simulator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, like, maybe not to, you know, the extent where it's worrying, but, uh, like, where it's, um, you know, sort of, like, just having more, like, natural, logical systems interplayed. Like, because it has, like, GTA yeah. is, like, you know, the originator of so many of them. Um, of but, um, and, like, GTA 4 is still kind of the pinnacle because GTA 5 kind of scaled back on some of it. Um, I'm, I'm guessing because it was, like, too complex or it just didn't work yeah. quite as well. I mean, three protagonists, bigger map, like, it was, there was already a lot happening. Yeah, that kind of thing. But it's just, like, the... Like, it's, like, if American Fugitive excels at one thing, it's being able to have police chases that feel natural where you have actual options to within that chase where like in gta there's not much you're mainly just like racing away in a car and you don't really have many options within that especially at higher levels where it's like it's such a huge radius <laughs> like maybe people are better yeah. at it than i am and can do that yeah. better than I, I can but in um it's just like the fact that you can get out of a car and they recognize that you're in that car and they like recognize what clothes you're in and then you can kind of like go to like a clothesline make sure like making sure you're like out of sight of anyone or any police yep. take clothes They're off changing. and then they like literally can't detect you like oh. even if you're in the zone and you pass by a police officer if they don't if they absolutely don't know what you look like it's you know it's like it's just believable mechanics like believable like simulator style mechanics and it's like it's really and, weird and <laughs> And you felt that American Fugitive captures that? Um, mostly. It, like, it got pretty close. Like, it's it's not a perfect game at all. But it's just, like, um, the fact, like, I was just not expecting that at all. And it got, like, it did a pretty decent job of it. It's just that it's, um, it doesn't really kind of last the entire game. It kind of ends yeah. up kind of getting, like, um... Like, even if you aren't getting kind of... Because it has all these skill points as well that make a lot yeah. of these things easier and, like, just easy to pull off. And then there's, like, just... And boy, what they do is they just decrease the risk throughout the game. And then eventually you're just kind of doing the same thing. It's it's an odd little progression arc where it just gets more boring. But, oh, um... Like, enough. so you're like, you're, like, getting better at it, but then also the game is getting safer... Like you're getting safer, so yeah. like it's it's so true. like the the challenges disappearing quickly. Yeah, and it's like it's yeah. So it's like these two two like arcs throughout the game that like you know, and it's um, yeah, it, it's impressive. I'd I'd love to see them try it again, just maybe like better and more polished and, um, mm. but mm. it's yeah. I don't know. I I'd recommend it if you're curious. But, um, Fair enough. Especially if you got some nostalgia for GTA Chinatown Wars on the DS. Yeah, yeah, I, I, 100%. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the other piece that went up, uh, I think just just before was uh, Callum's review of Phantom Abyss, which is from uh, Team Weeby Weeby. <laughs> yeah, which is, uh, uh, I think from uh, Queensland, I believe. Mm, yeah, I, as I understand as well. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I, uh, Calm seemed to be pretty lukewarm on it overall. Yeah, um, which is a little disappointing actually. I was like, I was kind of interested in that one. Like, I don't think I'll yeah. be able to buy it for a while because it's only on PC and um, it's in early access to to boot. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed. He was like, he was disappointed in it, I suppose. 
Um, yeah, but you know what? It's an early access. There's the scope for it to get better. Um, our review, uh, Callum's review of it is live now, uh, obviously, as it stands in, in early access. And, you know, um, he might re- revisit it later on once uh, once the game matures a bit more and, and comes closer to its final release. But, yeah, that that's what was on Double Jump this past week. Let's, uh, let's talk about the news, John. Uh, this week... And we've got a handful of stories, but the first one, kind of surprising, not surprising. I mean, it's been rumored for a while, uh, is that Valve is uh, has released, sorry, Valve is working on a new piece of hardware. Uh, it's actually a portable PC, portable gaming PC handheld called the Steam Deck. It's a, It looks so similar in size to like a Nintendo Switch, um, but take a Nintendo Switch and put every single possible controller configuration on the front of it and on the back, stick in some PC hardware in there, and you've basically got the Steam Deck. It's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of run through. So basically, uh, it's a 7-inch 720p screen, uh, similar to the, to the new OLED Switch, um, running at uh, 60 hertz. Um, it's got, I should have put this, a... And what's what AMD likes to call an APU, which is basically where the CPU and the GPU are combined together into one unit, similar to what you'd see in the PlayStation 4, 5, and the Xbox One and Xbox Series consoles. Um, basically, a four-core, eight-thread uh, Ryzen Zen 2 processor, uh, an eight-compute unit RDNA 2 GPU. So it's got a, a decent amount of power, um, and that's combined with 16 gigabytes of uh, low-profile Sorry, low power consumption DDR5 memory. So, it's it's a capable like PC, quote unquote, um, and it'll be sold in a few different configurations. So, 64 gigs, uh, 256 gigs, and 512. Um, the top two models with the larger storage they actually come with faster storage as well. And the highest model, the 512 gig, actually comes with an anti-glare, like special version of the screen. Um, yes, the memory, uh, the storage is expandable. Uh, which is good because, uh, you know, you don't want to be stuck with a quote-unquote PC that can't load, say, the latest Call of Duty patch. <laughs> that would be <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, I don't know. What what do you think about the the prospect of a portable gaming PC that runs all your Steam games versus something like a, a Switch? Um, yeah, I'll start off by saying I think this is kind of, like, perfect for someone like me, personally. Like, I think there's, mm. like, you know, there's all the sorts of reasons you'd get it because there's, like, it has so much, there's so much, like, uh, you know, has a lot of power. It's portable version of PC, which, you know, is not something that people are used to because there's, like, a couple of indie thing, indie products that do that as well. But this is obviously going to be a lot more refined and just high-end. Um, yeah. With that power that I don't think anyone was expecting to see from a portable in 2021. Like, it's pretty <laughs> kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a step up from the nvidia hardware that's in the switch mm. um but granted the switch i guess the, the switch is is, is is weird in that being a, a mainstream like nintendo handheld it has to have certain you know battery life requirements so obviously the power has to be limited there and you know the this uh from what uh pierre Griffay oh that, that's that's a name uh also one of the kind of the chief developers there at Valve uh, basically when, when he was speaking with IGN he explained that the expected battery life is between 2 to 8 hours 
uh, which which isn't bad if you think about it, like compared to something like the Switch, which I think is between on the lower end four hours and max is about nine hours. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the, the new model as well. Because like I have yeah. the old one, it doesn't last that, was that like long. Three hours, I think. In, in some yeah, cases, I think it's like max is out at like five hours absolutely yeah. with like the most and like small play a game like breath of the wild and you just drain that battery quickly yeah definitely. so that's the thing like being a pc there's there are obviously options regarding you know frame rate and things like that so uh it's it, it'll be interesting to see how this actually holds up um because like it, it doesn't look like a light unit it looks like a chunky boy and it's got yeah. cooling vents on the back like can't imagine holding it and like having fan like a fan blowing air on your palms. I mean, maybe that will cool you down. I I don't know, but... Yeah, because I'm already, like, nervous when playing my Switch sometimes when it's, like, you know, playing something demanding because you start hearing yeah. it wear off and it's like, oh, I don't like this. Um, yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'm curious <laughs> to see how loud that and warm that thing gets because it, yeah. it might be pretty fair. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it probably won't be, but, yeah, yeah. I'm interested. Well, the good thing about this one is that because it's kind of like coming from a PC gaming background, uh, there's a lot more compatibility. Like it supports Bluetooth headsets and, and, and speakers. Uh, it also supports a uh, powered USB hub, so you can use that to keep uh, to have video output, extra USB ports so you can plug in a mouse and keyboard and play games that way if you want to use it as your PC, I guess. Um, it's also got you know support for Ethernet networking and audio. Um, the interesting thing is like, like the Switch, uh, Valve is actually planning on releasing a dock for the system that'll let you uh, connect it up to a screen you know a monitor or a tv and, and kind of treat it like the switch in docked mode um the the annoying thing is valve hasn't really announced any pricing or like a release time frame for australia if you're in the u.s and selected countries you can actually put a little bit of money down to kind of like reserve your s it's like reserving your spot to order it at a later date is oh, is that what it weird. was? Okay. Yeah, I like you can't like actually order it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you 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 pay a fee and that fee comes off the order price, but it's like just to lock you in. Okay, because um, I because I, I think it's still like you know, you're still reserving a place in a queue though, because like I've seen yeah. some people say like that's what their, their order is um you know that they're getting their model in December or at least you know they're set yeah. to, so yeah. it's, I guess it's not too much of a difference, but yeah, like. Yeah, it's still kind of a yeah, you know, legal distinction <laughs> that they can dance around I'm, if they want. I'm, I am always worried when it comes to Valve and hardware because, like we saw with the, like the Steam machines back in the day, that Valve was gonna support you know these, uh, these boxes that were, essentially running SteamOS, which is Valve's take on uh, like Valve's kind of flavor of Linux. So, a, a version of that SteamOS is what's powering this uh, Steam Deck. So, Valve has uh, software that it uses to kind of convert things from Windows to run well on, on Linux. So, that's, that's why you can pretty much play anything in your Steam library on the Steam, uh, Steam Deck. Yeah, like, the, the Steam machines kind of just, they were announced, big fanfare, nothing really came of it. Quietly kind of, you know, pushed aside. The Steam Link came out. And, like, that's kind of gone away now, the, the Steam Link functionality, which lets you kind of stream your Steam games from your PC to, like, a, a TV or a streaming box or something. That's that's kind of, like, now a software tool that you can, like, my I just got a new Chromecast that has Steam Link on it. So, like, I don't need to buy a special Valve box for that. And also, uh, the, the Steam controller, which 
kind of went on fire sale. I think you could like buy it for like a dollar US towards the end. So I, I don't know. I, I, Valve doesn't have a good track record when it comes to hardware, but if anyone's going to give this a crack, I think Valve is probably the really the only one who's really poised to kind of deliver on the hardware and software side. Mm. So that's that's the thing there. What what do you what do you think about it? Um I think they do a good job with the hardware itself. I think they tend to yeah. be a little antsy with support sometimes. Or, or maybe, yeah. I don't know. I guess just, you know, don't support things quite as long as people want or maybe expect sometimes. I don't know. Because they're still making mm. the indexes. Like, they're making them themselves now. And they're yeah. meant to be good yeah. even if they're insanely priced. <laughs> I guess what you could take away from it is that, you know, get in early if you... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so they have like a history of hardware, which isn't, you know, it isn't bad, but it kind of can be a little short term. So like maybe the takeaway yeah. is like get in early. I mean, we can't because we're in Australia. It's not yeah, much an option. Exactly. But um, yeah, I'm sure like, I think there's a lot of attention on it, way more than Steamboxes did had. Oh, like, cause, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, but like this one, actually, that's what I was, I was thinking though, because like when I was saying earlier how it's like kind of made for someone like me, um, yeah. which is like, I kind of prefer consoles like i've i've had like because because i have like a ton of steam games like a lot of people but i don't really have a like a capable pc anymore like i could only play like really pretty basic stuff now on this laptop because it's like mostly a work laptop um because it's good at all that stuff but this could be like an alternative right yeah exactly like it's like because in a way like steam boxes kind of appealed to me in a way i didn't want one but they made more sense for someone like me where it's like you know I kind of want like a smaller, easier version of a PC that does all the gaming stuff. I mean, I'd like it to do everything, but like, yeah. you know, I, I just don't like, I really don't like the idea of a bulky lap piece desktop PC. I just don't really mm. want that anymore. And I don't love the idea of a really expensive gaming laptop either. I mean, I'm yeah. sure they can get, you yeah. know, ones that are cheaper and more capable than mine, but still yeah. like, I'd rather something. But to get like a decent one, you'd be looking at about 2000 Australian dollars. Yeah, something that'll play games at a good frame rate and things like that with a yeah, decent screen. Yeah. But you get stuck with the fact that you can't upgrade it. Yeah, like because I like um, out of high school and I was like first making money, I got like a big Alienware gaming gaming PC yep. desktop, uh, yep. a laptop. A lot of sorry. people did that. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. Um, now it's just like sitting somewhere under my bed or something, just broken. Cause like it, it like oh. cause it's kind of broke down. Like I think the graphics card of it broke down at some point, and oh, okay. I I don't. Oh man, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so like after two or three years, I just couldn't use it for gaming much. It's still more capable than this one, but it's so like so big. <laughs> like it's just I just it's don't want it around anymore. Yeah. Um. Anyway, no, my point enough. was that it's like I have a lot of Steam games. I don't really want the bulkiness of a P- the typical PC setup, or at least as yeah. I understand it to be. I don't like because yeah. my sister has you know a desktop PC that's like decently strong, can play most things, and it's like yeah, it gets so like her room gets so stuffy, and like it's <laughs> yeah. like oh, I don't want that all that and, heat. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's so much bigger than my laptop anyway. Um, so in a way, it's like yeah, so it feels like someone for me where it's like I have all these Steam games I want to play still, but I can't. But I yeah. also like handhelds. Yeah, and it can dock as well, which is like, oh, great. Like, yeah. Even if I want to do, you know, bigger screen, I can do that too. Um, yeah, and, th- and that's the thing. It it'll be interesting to see. Like Valve has had the big picture mode for a long time, so Valve kind of knows its way around controller interfaces now. But it'll be interesting to see kind of 
how it holds up as like a console when it is docked. So that that'll be interesting. Hopefully, um, you know, you know, here in Australia, you don't have to wait for too long. Um, yeah, but you know, in terms of waiting for things that might take a little while, Netflix has uh, confirmed that it's going to make its push into game development slash publishing, and yeah, so. It's been rumoured for a while now that Netflix has been interested in games. I mean, it's had uh, interactive movies before, like those special Black Mirror episodes and things like that. It's also, you know, done a lot of video game adaptations. Like, I, I love the Castlevania, uh, the anime uh, series that Netflix produced. I haven't finished the Witcher uh, series, but um, I'm sure people didn't mind that. But this is actually going to be uh, Netflix's foray into actually making games. So, this has been spurred on by the fact that Netflix brought on uh, a former EA and Facebook slash Oculus uh, executive named Mike Verdu, um, and now he's been brought on as the VP or Vice President of Game Development. Um, that's going to be, uh, like, y- you don't hire someone like that and give him a title like that unless you actually want to make games. And and the thing is, it although Netflix hasn't specifically said what it plans to do um if if we look at kind of bloomberg's original reporting on this um the the source that bloomberg site says that netflix plans to add video games to its existing streaming library so you could potentially see uh video games pop up alongside tv shows and movies that you can actually play them Uh, i don't know how that would actually work like you know, I guess it would be limited to the type of box like an Apple TV or a, like a Google Chromecast with a remote because uh, I don't know if my crappy Hisense TV would really <laughs> ha- handle that. Yeah. Oh, um, calm down, Google. My Google <laughs> assistant oh. just started speaking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, wh- what do you think about that idea of um, Netflix getting into gaming? Do you think that's viable? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say for... Yeah, I'm not like... And I'm kind of curious to see what form it is, because my first thought with it was um, how Facebook technically got into gaming streaming, either recently or yep. they're going to or something. Um, I haven't been keeping up with it, but like, but you know, the games they're streaming are like, you know, really like, you know, phone games, like, like really simple stuff. It's like it's just another way of doing that, but streaming it. Yeah. Um, instead of, I'm guessing, instead of like loading the game into your cache or whatever, and how they usually do yeah. like Farmville or whatever on your phone, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, my like first you don't thought have was to install it locally, like it'll just get streamed. Yeah, because my that was my first thought, and it's like, I don't know. It feels very Netflix has such a ubiquitous model that like expanding that in a way that requires starts requiring controllers or you know other like physical control schemes like. I think it makes sense on a phone, maybe. I don't know. Like, yeah. I can see it working. Like, because the other side of it is that, like, um, they, at least in my experience, they probably have, like, the best streaming technology. Like, oh, 100%. Hands down. Yeah. Like, because it's, like, you know, it has, like, as far as I can tell, the way it works is that it has essentially, like, just dozens and dozens of, like, resolution but, yeah, and audio qualities that it's well. just constantly flipping between to try and yeah. get, like, you know, maximum quality for your stream like your um yeah your data stream um which i think like it's yeah so applying that sort of model to games it's like oh curious to see how that works on a big scale if that's what they're interested in yeah and that's the thing like i guess it i'm sure there's data to say that uh, there are a lot of console owners use netflix to the console apps so then that means that you know there's a there's a, a like a capable game controller ready to go 
Yeah. But yeah, like it'll be interesting uh, to see if uh, like Netflix is going to say, "Oh, hey, play us on your Apple TV and just pair a DualShock, and you're ready to go." So that that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Um. That's w- worth mentioning as well is that there was a data mine a few days ago. I think after this news, I'm not sure. Um, that um, that had images because it seemed to be like a demo presentation or something. I'm not. I'm, mm. I'm not sure if it was confirmed. Anyway, I had um, images like stock images of like a DualSense controller and Ghost of Tsushima in it. So it could be, yeah. Um, yeah, that could be evidence that they're you know having higher ambition with this yeah. project. Like, so, but we'll see, I guess. It'll be interesting because I know that Netflix has a like it's got it knows the engineering side of Netflix and the user interface is really good and they've got uh, Netflix has got a fantastic like kind of you know relationship with like content partners to get like exclusive really high quality exclusive films and 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 tv shows on there so it'll be interesting to see if netflix gives it a bigger like a more serious go than something like google with stadia which kind of just fizzled out um yeah that'll be uh interesting because because like netflix is based like i think the infrastructure for netflix is based on amazon web services um but i'm sure there are laws against uh, like Amazon giving Netflix a worse kind of <laughs> stream quality or something because I don't want them to compete with like Amazon's lunar streaming platform or something. I'm sh- I'm sure there has to be something like that. Oh well, they got that like because that was those laws were originally called net neutrality in America. And yeah. I, I think they got rid of it <laughs> during Trump's and think, reign. Uh, like, <laughs> and then uh, I think Biden's now trying to bring it back. So yeah, we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting. Mm. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, if we if we like realistically, if we want to talk about uh, politics and how it's impacting gaming, how about we talk about uh, Aussie uh, Tasmanian Independent MP Andrew Wilkie and his plans to introduce a bill into Parliament that'll make, uh, uh, I guess, probably the biggest wave in gaming I can really think of at the moment in terms of requiring games that reco- that have any sort of randomised, uh, like kind of prize elements so think of loot boxes you know uh, like spin to win things like that um to be considered uh, gambling and so they would have to be given an r18 plus rating to align with other restrictions surrounding gambling in australia that require you know participants to be 18 plus so um i'll, I'll just kind of summarize it was a he spoke to the daily Tele- telegraph last week and and he kind of uh, outlined his plans and and his his uh like method of reasoning for uh, putting the bill forward, and it, his kind of uh, like uh, like reasoning comes from the fact that it's sort of like grooming children or acclimatizing children to the idea of gambling from a very young age, which is he I think he sees just as bad as gambling itself. So um, this is a quote directly from uh, Wilkie that he gave to the Daily Telegraph, and this is via Kotaku in Australia. It's not clear if that's what game companies design, but it's self-evident that they have that effect. Uh, to allow very young children to pay cash for a randomized event that may or, na- may or may not reward them would meet any definition of gambling. Um, yeah, and the specifics of the bill uh, haven't been kind of laid out yet, but the bill is expected to go to the House of Representatives next month. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on this, uh, John? Um I think, uh, especially without any, like, specific terms so far, um, I'm, like, largely supportive of it. Like, I'd, like, games, like, I think there needs to be 
generally more regulation of its more exploitive uh, measures and how it tries to... Um, and Wilkie, it kind of makes sense with his stances. Um, I was looking him up, you know, in preparation for this, and he was like, has a real anti-gambling crusade that he's been on for, you yeah. know, a decade or more, like maybe two decades, actually. It's been a while. Um, so it kind of, it could, like, it lines up with him pretty, like, lines up with everything yeah. else he's been doing for a bit. Um, and... Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if it's, if the bill is more restricted to where there's like paid loot boxes mm. or if it also includes like, you know, getting those free, uh, free prizes, like, you know, free draws, like in Rainbow Six Siege where you can unlock like those little card packs and stuff like that, or even FIFA Ultimate Team where you can unlock packs without paying. It'll be interesting to see if, if that's going to be roped into that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I... Uh because as far as I understand, like our like um, our game, uh, what's it called? Like our rating committee or whatever they're called. I, mm. I'm not sure what they're called. Um, the Australian Classification Board. Yeah, so they're not like they're not always the most active, as I understand. Like like you know, because um, what was that RPG that got unbanned lately? Um, of course, oh, Disco Elysium. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one got you know they kind of like they only got on that when it was late. on. Yeah, like it was out for ages, and it's just like. You know, it's like it's like they noticed it suddenly. It's like, oh, this shouldn't be like this. Um, yeah. And then eventually they decided, yeah, it's okay. Um, not long after. Yeah. So it kind of makes me wonder how like it'd be it'd be nice for this law to be put into place that actually you know is as protective as it should be of the people who are vulnerable to these tactics. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm not really sure. I'd trust the classification um, committee. Was it what was it said? Classification um, board. Board, to, sorry. To make the right decision. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really sure I trust them to be all that like on top of yeah. things, unless they just kind of go like you know, like uh, salt the earth sort of thing and just go after everything. Yeah, like it'll be like it'll be interesting to see like the IGEA, which is kind of like Australia's industry body for like interactive games in Australia. Like it'll be interesting to see you know, responses from that. Like say once the bill does get like presented at Parliament. Because you can, you can imagine the ramifications of like you know games like Fortnite and everything like suddenly not being accessible to like I'm, I'm assuming like at least sixty percent of its like e- like player base, which is probably under eighteen. Like like that that has ramifications, um, like huge like game design ramifications. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that it's it's pretty fundamental. Some of those like mechanics when it comes to games. So it'll be interesting to see how how our par- parliament which is notoriously backward in a lot of ways yeah um, it sounds like the kind of bill where it's like if it's positioned as in you know save the children whatever it does sound like something that would maybe pass because like you know yeah it's that kind of you know if it's positioned right and it's like okay like yeah we'll hey, see we'll find out soon enough hmm so yeah, we're, um, we've got a couple more stories to go today and one of them uh is a pretty bit of an interesting one, kind of a surprise, which is that uh, Ubisoft announced a free-to-play 6v6 first-person shooter called X Defiant. It's uh kind of came out of nowhere. I, I mean, I certainly wasn't expecting it. Were you? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> if it was leaked already. I don't know. I, I was. I don't. Yeah, I wasn't. I think there was some. Actually, now I think about it, <laughs> I think it there was, was some leak a while ago. 
about yeah. like some like crossover thing, which is what this is. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, I I definitely wasn't expecting it today. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, it's 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 kind of like uh, Ubisoft's take on Overwatch or Call of Duty. So it's it's a six v six competitive shooter, uh, and it's set within the Tom Clancy universe. So like you alluded to, it's kind of like a crossover of different Tom Clancy franchises. So you they'll bring in characters from like like you know heroes from uh, different, uh, like, games and, and, and series to kind of fight together. Um, and it, it's kind of like, I don't know, it, it, it is more Overwatch uh, than Call of Duty in that there are abilities, there are ults, sorry, ultimate abilities as well that'll kind of shift the tide of play. Um, and there are four factions that each of these characters kind of belong to, which are the Wolves, Outcasts, Cleaners, and Echelon. It's it's like there's like loan operators as the you know the tanks the healers the damage dealers it's it's kind of that that kind of rock paper scissors approach to like you know shooters I've been doing for ages but it's uh, interesting to kind of see it set within the kind of the Tom Clancy verse um, yeah and it's still early so we don't really know exactly how Ubisoft plans to monetize it like I'm sure it's going to be full of loot boxes <laughs> funnily enough. Yeah. And and things like that but we're not sure if like you have to pay for characters or if it's like Overwatch where you know you own all the characters are unlocked from the beginning uh, and you just kind of uh, you you pay for the loot boxes and things like that I'm guessing it's going to be like like how Rainbow Six is where you pay for operators or seasonal content um, or even something like Apex Legends where it's the the base game is free to play there's a handful of characters you can play as but if you want to unlock you know more perks or get more characters you have to kind of spring for the uh the paid uh battle passes or or buy characters outright uh yeah and it's a, it's a developed by Ubisoft San Francisco and and you can start re- uh, like registering for when the upcoming you know alphas and betas happen um like i don't know i'm i'm it's like another one of these games but like i'm always happy to try out a new multiplayer shooter Especially when it's first person, like John, what what, you, what did you think about kind of the what you've seen so far of it? Um, I w- I didn't have like a strong reaction to it, you know. I think that would be pretty normal. <laughs> I don't think anyone's gonna like see that trailer. It's like, oh, fucking awesome! I'm so hyped. <laughs> but like, it reminded me a lot of um, it reminded me a lot of Brink. Remember that game? That one that bombed super hard. Um, yeah, it might be a lot of that. Like, I'm not sure if it would actually be too similar, but it's got, you know, it's got the sliding, it's got, like, kind of that sort of, sort of, uh, I don't know, sort of cartoon, punk-adjacent sort of styling to it. Yeah. Um, um, it was kind of weird seeing, like, a more traditional arena shooter out of nowhere. Like, I, that was kind of weird, where it's like, oh, people, like, haven't seen one of these for a while, especially from a big yeah. company. Because it's like... I was thinking, like, the only reason I can think of that Ubisoft, like, greenlit this game is that, like, one, they've kind of fully, like, prepared for it to fail because these games don't do well unless they, like, really take off. Yeah. And then... um, Long-term support is what Ubisoft's kind of been doing um, yeah. with all of its games. But it's, like, it kind of, like... it's. I feel like they've kind of seen the gap in the market, in the market for, like, a more, you know, another Call of Duty-style game because there haven't been many for a while. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think so. Like and Valorant, like, um, people might think about Valorant as being a competitor, but that's that's more like uh, Counter Strike's uh, style, you know, more like objective based. Yeah. You die, you know, permadeath, round based action, uh, and and that's where you know, Rainbow Six Siege kind of plays into that Counter Strike kind of, um, mm. like formula. 
And this seems a bit more kind of freeform, a bit more like Overwatch where you just, there's just a lot more like action, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it definitely reminded me more of Call of Duty primarily. Yeah. I'd be interested to see if there was like a lot of Overwatch comparisons because that's like, like it's easy to see that as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially with the abilities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it like the trailer kind of made me laugh a lot. Though. <laughs> um, it's like these two older white guys calling their shooter like a punk. Yeah, what was it punk rock mosh pit? Was like, <laughs> and also has Tom Clancy attached. It like, like, oh, like you know this dead conservative yeah. warhawk rider. It's like, and it has defiant in the title. It's like a, like a total parody of everything about it. Um, that, that's the like, thing. I. <laughs> Oh, like, uh, and, and the thing is, like, the XD in Defined has got, like, you know, the emoji, kind of that. Yeah, I didn't realize that until I saw comments pointing it out. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just like, but I then don't it's know, silly, it feels like. And then it, it's just like, okay, so it's XD, and then it's like they added it to Defiant, which isn't a word. but it's like um it kind of reminded me it's like if clancy was still writing books or something today and they weren't selling well it's like he started like having the soldiers like ride skateboards or something it just felt like so like (laughs) future i don't know disconnected from the thing they were basing it on or you know around sort of like i mean it's like as an individual thing separate from like i don't care about i don't like clancy whatever it's all like this militaristic jingoist stuff but it's like um you know it's like as a game itself it looks good enough it's just like it just felt like it was so desperate to convince me that it's cool like i'm not even someone who's young anymore you know like i'm not that young and but they're definitely trying to appeal to people younger than me yeah (laughs) it wasn't doing a good job already when it when something or someone tries to tell you they're cool they're not cool like that's (laughs) you know what i mean does that make sense yeah Yeah, (laughs) pretty much does that come across like uh, that's that's just it's weird like just uh, instead of saying it's pop like you know punk mosh bit or whatever just say like you know we decided to have a bit of fun with the you know the the characters and the universes we've built and you know like you could totally talk about you know the like the graffiti aesthetic and and things like that like the colors that pop and all that without trying to sound so like Hey there, fellow young kids. You know, like that meme, yeah. Steve Buscemi. It's, re- it's really hard not to think of that whenever this <laughs> stuff happens. Like, I always think of that meme. It's yeah. like it's just just lodged in my brain somewhere. Like, <laughs> I, like it's just like I see it all the time as well. I think, but yeah. it's just it's such a good. Ex- it's, it's like it's just it's just this game again. Like it's just that again. Or it's yeah, just, and, and I don't know. It's just sad. And the thing <laughs> is, like having played Titanfall two recently, and just like the sheer speed and momentum you can carry in that game like especially with the like like in particular the movement system in that game like it makes all other games even apex legends which is based on it like feel slow so i was i was really hoping that like okay so this being a new thing doesn't isn't really tied to any existing kind of like you know franchise per se like you could really go out of the way and be like okay we've got all these characters and we can do whatever we want with all this technology and like abilities. So okay, you can you can you've got magnetic boots that let you run on the wall. You've got rocket, you know. You've got like, you know, you could you could have so much more fun with this. But the whole idea, like I- even the like Mark Rubin and the other guy, um, kind of talked about. Oh, you know, we wanted realistic guns. We wanted it to be grounded in reality. It's like yeah, but you already have a game like that, which is Rainbow Six Siege. Like, why do you have to be grounded in reality? Like, the division is like that as well. You know what I mean? And what is yeah. it? Um, uh, you know, Tom Clancy's 
Ghost Recon uh, Breakpoint and whatever the one before that was, you know, like, you've got all these realistic games, like, why does this one have to be the other one? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, um, I'm probably going to get the name wrong, but there was, like, that, um, I think it was announced in a Nintendo Direct, like, early this year or last year, like, called Rogue Legacy or something. Mm. I think it's by High res or something like that. It's yes. like a third-person shooter that was, like, Counter-Strike-y. Yeah. Um, and yeah, High Res, the, reminds- the people who make uh, Smite. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought that was it. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me a little of that, where it's like kind of existing for people to see, kind of see and kind of be mildly curious about. It's like, yeah. oh, this looks fun, and I don't want to pay for code, or I'm bored of code, or whatever. Yeah. And it's on something that you know, I have that isn't that code isn't on, like a Switch or whatever. Yeah, like it's just like it feels like one of those ones where it kind of slot slots into whatever gap is possible mm-hmm. for those who might be interested in it and maybe it'll take yeah. off maybe it maybe. won't but yeah I guess we'll, we'll find out like uh, I don't think there's a specific date for when this game fully comes out but you know you can already register and I've already registered I want to try it out I'll be curious see how it plays um, you know it could it could be the like Overwatch really hasn't done like I haven't really thought about Overwatch I reinstalled it a few months ago it didn't really like do it for me so this might be just another game to kind of try out um, and and you know have fun with for a while. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, mm. But you know, speaking of something that's a bit more, you know, formulaic and rote, let's talk about the NBA 2K franchise. Uh, and uh, it's actually done something like visual concepts and uh, the developer and the publisher 2K Sports have actually done something novel this year. In that, um, for the first time in the series's history, and probably like like mainline sports games in general like I think this is the first time that there's a female cover athlete on one of the uh, the games so uh yeah so the the headline is that uh I'll, I'll, I'm going to put hopefully I got her name right here um uh Candace Parker who's a, a forward for the Chicago Sky from the WNBA uh is going to be starring in the the 25th anniversary WNBA special edition of the game um, and that that's actually like one of the like six different editions of this game, like so. Candace Parker is on the WNBA 25th anniversary special edition, and she's the first female kind of like cover athlete on in the NBA series, and, and potentially like uh, I think maybe FIFA might have done like something from like the the women's uh, like football teams uh, maybe a couple of years ago for like the World Cup or something. Um, but okay. yeah, so. Uh, so that's one edition, right? Then there's also the standard edition and the cross-gen digital bundle, <laughs> which stars um, uh, Luka Doncic, uh, who's the point guard for the Dallas Mavericks. Then there's also the NBA 75th anniversary edition, right? Which stars Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, Dirk Nowitzki, and Kevin Durant. You know, three legends of the game. Uh, and and then there's also the Japanese standard edition. Which will star um, uh, Rui Hachimura, who's the uh, one of the forwards for uh, Washington Wizards. So there are four cover athletes, sorry, six cover athletes across four different versions of the game. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it definitely kind of like um, definitely makes the female cover athlete you know achievement feel a little less. It's it's yeah. nice that it happened, but yeah, like. Um, Hopefully, yeah, it definitely feels less important. 
seeing that list of people on it, it's like, oh, okay, I guess yeah. that's... They just kind of like, you, did you one kind of, of buried the, the lead here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, I think... I mean, it's awesome that there's the, uh, the 25th anniversary special edition. Um, I, I'm really bad at my research. I'm not sure if that's, the, like, the 25th anniversary of the WNBA, and that's why. Uh, I'm guessing that's why uh, it's, it's being I guess commemorated. Is that... Is that almost worse, sort of, a little bit? Because they have to, like, didn't do it out of their own, you know, desire yeah. to have female yeah. representation. Well, it, it's like, you know, Black Widow. Like, w- if we bring it back to the, the beginning of the episode, like, it took Marvel to see that Wonder Woman and DC could make a female-starring, female-directed superhero film work for Marvel oh. to turn around and be like, hey, we've got a female superhero. We there are female directors <laughs> out there. Let's do. I a forgot. A, yeah, I forgot. I was angry about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you know that I mean? was really annoying, actually. <laughs> and even despite all that, like Black Widow still took, like when did Wonder Woman? I think came out twenty seventeen, the original, kind of like new series, and yeah. and and she was also in like I think Batman versus Superman, like one of those dumb movies. Yeah, <laughs> some forgettable villain. Um, like it, it, it still took. Marvel four years <laughs> to kind of bring out the the Black Widow film. Like obviously COVID, obviously Endgame and all that kind of happened, but still it's it's just disappointing uh, yeah. to see. And and like yeah, you're right. I think there's a little bit of that here with the NBA kind of waiting for like this milestone. Hmm. But yeah. if if it's true that it's yeah. about the NWA, maybe it's not. Um, that was like just speculation on our part, right? Yeah. But um, yeah. but uh, I don't. Know, it's it's nice to see. It'd be nice to see more of it. I don't follow yeah. basketball really, at, like literally at all, so yeah. it's not really something that's in my sphere mm. um, personally. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it, it's nice to see, and it's it's good to it's a good thing happening. But yeah, yeah seeing that list of covers, I was like, oh, okay, so it's like you know, sort of, it would look bad if it was like she was, if there was like seven men. Ultimately, was it seven? Yeah. One, yeah, two, well, three, four, five, six, six. Yeah, so there are five men, one wo- one female, like one woman. Yeah. But you know, and I just double checked. Yes, the WNBA is celebrating its twenty fifth season, so okay. that's why there's the kind of commemorative uh, edition yeah. here. But yeah, like yeah. it would have been better if you know there was like a bit more representation before. But you know, it's a step forward. Yeah, you know, it's still a win. Um, you know, however small it may seem, but you know what? Like I'm sure. Um, there are people out there who, you know, maybe young women, young girls who, you know, play the NBA games who would be, you know, really stoked to see, like, someone who looks like them or represents their gender on on the cover. Like, that would be awesome. Yeah. Because like, I think, cause I, I think uh, yeah, because I don't play those games, but I've seen news about them every so often. And it's like, they've had, like, um, playable women yes, um, they have. teams as well. Yeah, I thought yeah, so. Yeah. Like, they've already had those as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's a good thing happening, but I'm not. I'm not really pressed to give them too much praise for it. Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see if EA does something similar for FIFA this year. I, I could definitely oh yeah, see right. That. Yeah, because isn't the US team doing really well? Yeah, like they're, they're, like, they're getting pretty the popular. Up, right? So it's yeah. like you know, if you're talking about like sales performance, you should yeah. do like you know, do that as well. Yeah, especially um, with the Olympics coming up, like. You know, it's it's kind of like World Cup and the Olympics are like kind of the two times that football and soccer, you know, really, you know, people who aren't really like fans kind of pay attention to it. So, you know, 
that was mm. as good a time as any. Yeah, that. it's kind of like a good time to like you know give it a shot in the arm as its own little industry, yeah. or not little, but you know as its own yeah. you know section worth paying attention to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, John. You know, any you've you've got uh, an article coming up this week. Uh, what should people look out for? Um, I've got another rewind article on Neo and how yeah. it compares to Dark Souls a bit because mm. um, I've been playing a lot of that because I played the um, finally got the PS5 version because um, it went mm. on sale for yes. I think the first time I don't know I, I, I don't remember it being on sale so it was like mildly on sale <laughs> so I went halves <laughs> in it with my sister and we've been playing it a bit and yeah. it's just like kind of sticks out like it's very it's very um, gets mind numbing quick you know it's yeah. like Dark Souls like kind of I talk about it obviously but like it kind of Dark Souls gets kind of stays scary generally at least mm. like on the first playthrough you get more comfortable with it but yeah. it's trying to keep you tense and on edge and kind of like you know that's that's the experience they want from you and yeah. like um, and Neo feels like the Diablo version of it I mean that's kind of the, re- the reason it exists but um, in the sense that you know you're just kind of doing a lot of the same thing over and over again Fair and enough. it's kind of interesting how it does that so that's what i'm talking about this week awesome awesome that's that'll be interesting so that's going to go up in a uh, couple of days if not uh when by the time you guys hear this should be up already on the site so head over to doublejump.co to read all of our awesome work there uh, whether it's the digest whether it's the rewinds reviews uh we we always appreciate it when you folks head over there and and read our stuff and share it around yeah and if if you want to if you want to uh, support the site, you can definitely do that by heading over to doublejump.co slash links and uh, clicking on all our different social pages and following us, liking us, sharing our stuff, uh, tell your friends. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it may not seem like much, but it really does help us out. You know, we, we're an independent publication based right here in Australia, so we don't have external people paying for anything. Uh, you know, we, we dedicate our own time and money um, for all of this and... And you can also, uh, on the Link's website, you can also find a link to our Twitch page, uh, Twitch channel, sorry, where we've got a whole host of streamers uh, every week. Uh, we've got um, being led by, uh, you know, a crew f- with of wonderful people like Ben, uh, Lucas, Kate, Ed. You know, join us probably four to five nights a week. You jump on, you're probably going to see us playing something silly. <laughs> and it's, it's <laughs> always fun. Always, always fun. But yes, uh, John, thank you so much for joining me this week. I'm looking forward to catching up again next week on the podcast. Yeah, no worries. Excited for next week as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about what uh, this uh, X-Defiant game <laughs> is going <laughs> to be specifically. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, everyone, look out for one another. Bye. See ya.